Hello everyone! We've been collecting your hometown haunt stories and missions over the course of the last few months, and tonight we are reading them to you! Thank you to everyone who submitted stories, so let's dig into these wonderfully spooky stories from around the world. Welcome to the Hometown Haunts Podcast, brought to you by the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Comics Anthology. You can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio, and no, that's on that's on Twitter and at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. By the way, I'm Kat Logo, and we haven't done this recording in a while. It's kind of obvious. Tonight with me, we have Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. They'll be here, not in the shadows like usual. We are chatting all about the ghost stories and spooky goings-on from your neck of the woods that all of you wonderful people have sent to us. So, just a reminder, we're dying to hear from you about your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it on our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. We're an official podcast that can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to see us while we're doing the show, like the flubs that I just made, you can watch the video on YouTube. Find us by searching Cincinnati Cabin of Curiosities. Please rate and review us there so other spooky histories just like yourself can find us link in the show notes and we do read the youtube comments and other comments sent to us and reviews it's wonderful there's actually one tonight on the show i believe just one let's improve that <laughs> so uh show notes or show news christina's kickstarter it was a success it is done now but it's wonderful christina come on and tell us about how it went I was really excited. Made our first stretch goal, uh, which is a little guide to using color on, because uh, I made these little tiny palettes, which I'll have to show a picture of. Well, when I say made, I kind of designed, but Troy figured out how to make them with his 3D printers and that sort that of thing. That is so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to be, a lot of people were saying, well, what colors do you put in a six color palette? And the reason we came up with this was because when you go to a lot of museums now, especially considering like a lot of the stuff that's been happening lately, they don't let you bring your person anymore. Right. But like a little palette like this, you can bring in cause it's really tiny. So it fits mm -hmm. in usually what they'll allow you to take, but it's really exciting. And now I'm on the editorial phase and we will be going to press in January. Um, I have a lot of choices of printers and that's one thing that's interesting with a Kickstarter is you suddenly have an email every day from a different printer saying, I saw your, yes. <laughs> could, could I print your book? Yeah. And I said, well, send me a quote and I'll see. I mean, we're, it's, it's pretty exciting. This is the, that, that was the hard phase, like the fulfillment and doing all the stuff and doing the online store and all that kind of stuff. It's the difficult. Yeah. Well, it's all difficult. Is there any part that's not difficult? No, every okay, part of so. it is different. There's a different hurdle every time. And it's all just different aspects of difficulty. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm relieved it's over. I'm glad I had it over before Thanksgiving because it would have been really awful to be at my oh, you know, relative's yeah. house thinking about it, mm -hmm. but really excited all the people that support it. So thank you everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were traveling for Thanksgiving. So for those of you listeners who are listening in the future, we're recording this literally right after Thanksgiving. Great timing on us. And uh, <laughs> we traveled hundreds of miles <laughs> between really just the did. two of us, <laughs> like other parts of the United States. And uh, I went through five different states to get to my final destination. You went through what? Three? Um, we went through, I don't think we went through any of Maryland at all. We, we talked, we thought we might, but I think we, it's, we went Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, New Jersey, then New York. So five for us two. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I got Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, and then the great state of Oklahoma. So yeah, got five as well. Do you Just, go through Arkansas at all to, to nope. get to? Okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> the ozarks but we do them in missouri instead we actually mm -hmm. passed two wildfires wow one of them was super spooky at night they were and we we could not 
find how they started or if they were controlled. But the first one that we went through was just outside Rolla, Missouri. And I remember looking out the window and it looked like magma just up a hillside. And then all the the smoke hit our car and we're like, yay, okay, that's what that is. And then same wildfire coming back. And then there was an additional one just outside of Springfield. So there were five wildfires going on when we were coming home because we had to map. My goodness. Made it interesting and very smoky. And Mike wanted barbecue. Wow. So it was it was in the Ozarks is where these wildfires were? Yeah. Or oh my yep. goodness. Yep. They were in the Mark Twain forest, you know, the mm-hmm. state forest. So um yeah, how, that was interesting. Hmm? How was the Mississippi River? Did you see it? We did. We we went we drove over it to, uh when we passed St. Louis uh-huh. and uh, it was lower than it had been before. Yeah. And there was even the large river in Tulsa. Forgive me, people in Tulsa. I don't know which river that is, but it was super low. Like it was easily 50% lower than it had. You could definitely tell where the rest of it was supposed to be. And on previous trips, we knew that it was the um, river was supposed to be higher. And it was so sad because I'm like, wow, there's not been enough water to or rain or snowfall to fill up this river this time of year. So, and man, everything usually is much there's a lot more foliage and there wasn't much there was some parts of oklahoma that clearly had had wildfires recently and we could see um the scarring from that so almost like dust bowl all over again yeah let's not let's not do that i don't need a part of the dust bowl but yeah it's it's always interesting driving through um it's fun going through the Ozarks and then earlier in October I went to Baltimore to visit my friend and we were driving through the haulers that we had our friend on a few episodes ago that suddenly I can't remember his name but Mark (laughs) yeah Mark Mark and his wife Mm -hmm. yeah um that that's a fantastic episode if you haven't listened to it go do so Mm -hmm. but uh we actually passed a lot of the locations that he talked about during the show and I'm sitting there telling Mike about them in the car because it's a 10 hour drive to Baltimore from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was fun. And uh, it definitely can see how those those monsters can live in the woods in the haulers and valleys of uh, the mm-hmm. Allegheny mm-hmm. Mountain area. So oh. also shout out to Baltimore. You're all awesome. <laughs> so. That is a cool place. We're having dueling cats here. Me and um yeah. Jen, we're dueling cat ladies. <laughs> yeah. So I have a cat that just jumped up here too. And I think you want to see something cool that I got? This is going to make great radio. <laughs> <laughs> so I got some cool stuff when I went to Baltimore. Oh, neat. I got a centipede. Oh, wow. Ooh, I love those centipedes. No. Those are so fun to draw. And no. then, Jen, you'll just going to really love this. I got a tarantula. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, those are cool. cool. In addition to the beaver skull that is now in my curiosities shelf. I think you need to, are you starting like a curiosities shelf? That's very cool. Um, Yes, I have a bunch of cicadas from last year's brood Mm -hmm. that um, I have prepped and they're ready to be pinned. And then Mm -hmm. I also have a butterfly that I need to identify first, but I found it freshly dead in my backyard. So I prepped it for pinning. Mm-hmm. and um, it's ready to go too so how do you do that slowly yeah prep them yeah <laughs> so um wow okay so basically what i do especially with the bugs is you want to find them as freshly dead as possible and then you want to put them and dry them out in a dry place so above your refrigerator in most homes is the perfect place where they're not going to get disturbed and then uh, for cicadas, they I may have dried them with their wings closed. So unfortunately, when I pin them, I probably won't force their wings open. If I wanted to, when prepping them for pinning, like what I did with the butterfly, I take an ornament box and mm-hmm. I put rubber bands. I put the butterfly like gently into the ornament box, spread its wings, and then I put rubber bands over it to force the wings open as it dries. Mm. And... Um, I should have done that with my cicadas, but I did not. So they're just going to be bopping there. 
El Natural without yeah. their wings spread. But <laughs> I collected all of them and I'm quite yeah. proud. So yeah, yeah you want to make sure they're all mummified and that's how they keep better. And then you put them in a UV uh, protectant box mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that they always are out of the light, mm -hmm. natural sunlight, okay. or they'll just continue to disintegrate. Yeah. yeah. Eventually a... they will, but hopefully we can make that a few decades instead of years. Yeah. The uh, group in Cincinnati of medical illustrators did a really neat workshop a couple of years ago, which I signed up for and unfortunately had to cancel at the last minute due to deadlines. But they did, there was somebody around town that was teaching taxidermy and they mm -hmm. did uh, taxidermy on um, like a big beetle, I think it was. Yeah. And it looked like a really great workshop. Um, it would be interesting. Maybe we could have one. I don't know if that person's still in town that teaches taxidermy. And then you can also sketch from the specimens. But that mm -hmm. might be a fun outing to do with the fans of Cincinnati Captive Curiosities That'd that like to fun. draw. Yeah. And I know Hale Records in Covington mm -hmm. also has taxidermies. It is also an oddity shop. So. Okay, I can see the finished product, but I don't want to learn how to do it. Oh, it's really interesting. <laughs> but yeah, these acrylic pieces are from Bazaar in Baltimore, which nice. is really cool. Nicely done, shop. too. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're really nice. I love uh, all the articulation and everything. The spider kind of throws me off because it's if you hit look at it at the right way, it doesn't look like it's an acrylic. And I'm like, oh, look at that large spider. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to name it. But. Anyway. Somebody wants to be on the podcast today. He feels oh. that he should be part of it today. <laughs> yeah, is Clover thunder? is staring at me like she's about to jump on me. But they're like, "Isn't this the cat special cat episode?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently so, so. I, I will say for viewers of the YouTube channel, if my door randomly opens, it is not a ghost. It is one of my three dogs. <laughs> so unless it's the ghost dog. It could be the ghost dog, but he tends to melt in and out of things, according mm. to little guy. So, okay. oh, that's creepy really at all. That's <laughs> really all. interesting that he still sees him a lot. Yeah, he'll he'll see them occasionally and go. Wheatley's there. Wheatley just melted into the bathtub, or Wheatley's there. Wheatley oh, just wow. melted into the toilet, and I'm like, do you maybe pass through? Is that what you're looking for? But do you discuss any of this with Sai? Like, I do not. No, he he out with it on his own and okay. we just roll with it. We don't tell him he's wrong or anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, we're just like, okay, well, where's Wheatley now? Wheatley's on the bed. Wheatley's mm -hmm. in the hallway. Wheatley's mm -hmm. on the staircase. So Aww. yeah. Yeah. So which takes us to our topic today. Yeah. We got, we got listener. Speaking emails. of melting. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of melting. we got listener emails and actually one physical letter and uh, I got a Thanksgiving ghost story that maybe it's a few days too late, but we can always enjoy it next year. Um, so I'm really happy, everyone. We have so many wonderful stories sent to us by our awesome listeners. So without further ado, shall I tell a ghost story first? Yes, or should please I? do. Yes, I will. I'll tell the ghost story first. So this is a rather recent ghost story. It only happened five years ago. So for me, that's recent, I guess. Um, my mom used to live in Northern Indiana and it was the last Thanksgiving we actually had at the house that I grew up in. And for listeners who don't know, my father passed away a number of years ago and he pops in and out from time to time. And, uh, <laughs> this is one of those times. So it was my in-laws, myself, my husband, my mother, and my mother invited one of her friends who is elderly to join us. And she didn't have any, we'll call her Dolores. And she had, Dolores had no family locally. So she was spending Thanksgiving with us. And at the time, Dolores was something like 87 years old. So we were wheeling her around the house and everything. And my mom and I had made this large Thanksgiving feast as one does, which you have the turkey and the stuffing and the pies and all the great things that go along with it. And we're sitting down to eat. Now, I am facing, if you can imagine the orientation of this dining room, it is a circular table. And I am facing the hallway door that goes into the front um, foyer of the house where the front door is. And my back is to the kitchen, generally so I can get up and down because I'm the youngest out of everyone there. So if anybody needed anything, I was the one that had to go get it. So I am 
looking at my mother-in-law whose back is to this door to the foyer and uh, we're eating dinner making small small chat like us uh, like how's your day how's the weather oh it's indiana it's always weird blah 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 you know stuff like that and uh, my mother-in-law i and i noticed that the candelabra that had been lit there was actually two small ones of three candles each on the table. And we started noticing that for whatever reason, their flames went from your standard, maybe a half an inch to an inch over the wick to being like three inches high. And Deb and I, and Deb also has seen ghosts and has had quite a lot of paranormal stuff happen in our life. And we're looking at that and we're like, that's strange. Why? And she's also a scientist, by the way. So her seeing strange things and saying that's strange, that's something to pay attention to. So we're just like, that's, that's strange. Why, why is the candle doing that? And we were talking about, my mom was reminiscing on the last Thanksgiving, my dad was around and we're like, oh, that's really nice. And these candles, the flames kept raising higher and higher. And we're like, that is really weird. And then they eventually lowered back down and the topic continued on my dad and about how he liked fishing and all that stuff the in all the activities he used to do during thanksgiving and the smoking of the turkeys and i remember looking up and my mother-in-law was sitting next to my mother and standing in between them was my dad just as a full-bodied apparition he had been dead seven years at this point and i'm like Oh, well, look who's come to join us. He was wearing a white button-down shirt, as he would when he would be working, and khaki pants with the pleats, like you would see from any businessman in the 1990s. Everything was white or golden on him, which was interesting because he never wore gold jewelry too often. And he just stood there kind of nodding in improvement over Thanksgiving dinner. And with that, he was gone and the candles resumed their normal burning. And that was strange. The thing is, is that talking to Deb, she got a cold spot on her left shoulder where he would have been standing at the same time. And for our listeners, ghosts in traditional, I'm going to say British ghost society fashion, were known to cause candles flames to flicker up if they were present it's a really old school way of ghost hunting from back in the 1840s when around the ghost society or even 1860s when the ghost society was formed so it was interesting that we watched this phenomenon happen and then had a personal experience immediately afterwards so that made it the most memorable thanksgiving we've ever had my dad has never shown up to another one that was it and he rarely ever makes full-bodied uh, full-bodied apparition visits since then. But uh, that was a strange one. And at least I have somebody else to go, yeah, that happened. Because I was there too. And witnessed the same phenomena. Did you say that was your last Thanksgiving at your house? Yeah, that was the last Thanksgiving at You uh, think that had something house. to do with it? It could have. Um, yeah, it could have. And... Uh, yeah, it's just that's that's where he died. So Aww. yeah, it is not in that room, but um, yeah, it it meant a lot to him, and he knew Dolores for a really long time as well. So it was interesting that it was seven years after his death that he decided to show up. But yeah, yeah, but it was it's still to this day something that Deb and I will go. Hey, you remember the time we saw Dave like that? So. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That was not a ghost. That was my coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that, that kind of segues, you know, some of these stories of people showing up kind of segues into what we mm -hmm. have for the comments. But do you want to do the fan letters first? Yeah, we got a fan letter and a sticker <laughs> to mm. boot. And I love it. So um, I met Tom at this year's uh, Crossroad, uh, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus which was in Columbus, Ohio. And he picked up a copy of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities comics anthology. So thank you, Tom, and your family. So he writes, Dear Miss Cloco, So 
So glad to have met you at CXE Expo this past weekend. The kids and I love your work and what the other curiosity creators are doing. As promised, I have enclosed a sticker of the hideous Chillicothe Skyfugle. Yours, Tom P. So, yeah. Let's see the sticker again. The sticker. Fugle. (laughs) Fugle. The Chillicothe Skyfugle. He looks like one of those crabs that, uh, what are those called? The... The crabs in the Japanese sea that have look like samurai warriors. Oh, the Heike faces. I don't know what the crabs are called, but I know that the giant battle. I think that they are called the Heike, Heike crabs. Yeah, aren't they? I don't know. <laughs> it was on just, Cosmos. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the uh, Battle of Heike happened in that bay, and we actually did a story about that a number of episodes ago called Earless Hoichi which also talks about the ghosts of the Heike war and the Heike clan. But anyway, yeah, that's what it is. It kind of does look like a flying crab and I love it. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. He's cool. Nice. I have a few other stickers from, of cryptids from around the Midwest, like the Nyan Rouge of Detroit, which is a little red Bigfoot. And then also our Bessie, the Lake Erie, um, serpent so neat yeah so we have also listener stories and comments these are comments from youtube first okay <laughs> so these are listener comments from youtube so the first one is from harpan blues <laughs> i love people's names and they write super cool doing local haunts up at 8 p.m on a friday night after napping all day thinking of doing some ghost hunting super cool i ran a co- across y'all greetings from butler county so Aww. thank you Harpin. Um, yeah, keep listening. Yes, keep listening and submit stories from Butler County. Like I know of a few, but I would always like to know more. So, and then Dan K writes to us from the from hometown haunts. Uh, I've yeah, I've been catching up on episodes and listening to episode fifty today. I used to work at a place that had an atomic clock next to the machine I worked at. One day I looked up at the to check the time and it was spinning around really quickly. I asked someone else if they saw it and they told me it does that on occasion. Turns out they use some kind of signal and GPS to keep the time accurate and occasionally it will recalibrate themselves to the correct time but spinning one full rotation. I just wanted to message and say that there's a logical explanation for that one. Enjoying the show and the background info on the city I've grown up and lived in for nearly 38 years. It's cool hearing lots of new stuff and I never heard of about before so close to home i've been to waverly and mansfield reformatory but didn't see anything spooky at all unfortunately so i'm always looking for something i can't easily explain away so thank you yeah right on yeah yeah thanks that's really cool yeah and so we've got lots of great stories yes we do so um Oh, you want me to read Robin H? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Robin, for the story, too. And and she had told me when she was working on this that she's so glad she wrote it down because she said that writing it down helped her remember everything about it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been on, on a personal quest to write down all the weird experiences I've had ghost hunting just mm-hmm. so that when I'm older, I can go, yeah, this is a story as I remembered it when I was in my 30s. So, mm-hmm. aren't you even making a zine about some of your experiences? I am. I do. I made my first ghost hunt, or sorry, no, my ghost it goes words, words, cat. <laughs> it, it, well, I'm so full of pumpkin pie, I can't remember how to speak. <laughs> anyway, yes, I made a zine. It's nine pages long about my first ghost experience when I was a kid. And uh, it, I, I like it. I think it was really well done. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll put it on my shop someday so people can pick it up. So, this is The Pink Coin and the Thinning Veil by Robin H. To preface this story, I need to introduce you to my parents, Fred and Shirley Duncan. Mom and Daddy met when they were 15 and 16 years old. They married in 1950 and celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary in 2020. Yay them! My parents both worked for the city of Danville, Virginia for 35 years each. Mom is a teacher and Daddy is a policeman. Daddy retired in 1987 and Mom in 1988. 
when people started referring to policemen as pigs, daddy started collecting them. We gifted him pigs. Friends gave him pigs. He even wore a little pig tie tag with his uniform. We had lots of pigs, all sizes and made out of lots of different materials. Wood, clay, pewter, crystal, even one carved from a chunk of, ch of coal. My husband, Andy, was transferred to Ohio in 2009, so we left my home state of Virginia and moved to Waynesville, Ohio. Being an only child, this was difficult for me and my parents. Daddy suffered a massive heart attack, the Widowmaker, on January 10th, 2013, and was a code blue. He was re resuscitated, but the oxygen deprivation led to a diagnosis later that year of vascular dementia. The diagnosis led to their move to Ohio to be closer to me. Mom endured many hospitalizations for internal bleeding from 2014 to her death. In 2019, Mom and Daddy moved into independent living at Oberden's Senior Living Community. In March 2020, Mom had two back-to-back -back hospitalizations, which led to decisions to place Daddy in memory care at Oberden. He did well and visited several times per week and called daily. He never forgot our names, and especially Mom's. Every time I all call, the conversation would start like this. Hi, Daddy. Hello there. Where's Shirley? They would talk and all would be right with the world. True love def defined my parents' relationship and life together. Daddy's health began to decline early November 2021. One day when we were visiting, the nurse said he'd been seen talking to a girl in the corner of his room. I asked what the girl's name was. She replied, Lily. I told her that Lily was his beloved dog who passed away March 2020 at the age of 15. So the veil was thinning. Daddy passed away on November 24th, 2021 at the age of 93, was cremated, returned to his home in Danville, Virginia, and was buried December 11th, 2021. April 2022, mom started with a low hemoglobin, indicating another internal bleed. A normal hemoglobin for a female is roughly between 12 to 15 grams per de deciliter. She was taken to ER with a hemoglobin of 6.8 in the early hours of April 25th. After several units of blood and a procedure where they thought they had fixed the issue, she was discharged to rehab at Oberden. On May 3rd, mom was once again transported to the ER, but this time with an even lower hemoglobin, 4.9 grams per deciliter. With mom settled in her room, I left the hospital through the ER exit about 3.30 a.m. in the morning of May, 1st, May 4th. I had to cross the parking lot and as I had parked near the ambulance bay. I was walking along when I spied something directly in my path, not to the left and not to the right, directly in my path. I picked it up thinking it was a quarter or a half dollar. Turned out it was a pig coin. Yes, you heard that correctly. A pig coin, a pewter pig coin with the front half of a pig silhouette on one side and the back half of the silhouette on the flip side. At 3.30 a.m. in the middle of a deserted parking lot, my father, a pig collector, had been dead five months, and there's now a pig coin directly in my path. I broke out in goosebumps. Every hair on my body stood at attention. I could hardly believe what I was seeing. There was no worldly explanation for this pig coin. Daddy was letting me know that he was worried about his beloved Shirley. I stood there and teared up. I looked up at the sky and said out loud, I'm with her, Daddy. I've got her. On May 13th, after seven units of blood and with a hemoglobin of 8.1, mom was discharged to a hospice room at Oberden. We had decided that we were fighting a losing battle. While daddy was mentally challenged towards the end of his life, mom was physically so. Her mind was sharp as a tack, but her body had taken a toll. In the next few days, she wrote cards, fine-tuned her obituary, and a memorial service, sent emails, made phone calls, etc. On May 16th, I spent my day with my mom. I knitted with her alternate while she alternate, alternately dozed, looking at Facebook and watched the DIY blog she loved on her iPad. I was fascinated watching and listening to her. Her facial expressions ran the gamut, happy, sad, laughing, grimacing, etc. It was like she was having a party. I heard her say, Lily, Lily, sugar, come on and go outside. I heard her say the word Alzheimer and wondered if she was talking to daddy or to someone about him. She awakened herself several times during talking. I asked her what with whom she was talking and she'd tell me. One time it was Alan Wilmeson, a friend back home who she had not seen 
since her move to Virginia from Virginia to Ohio to go to get to see. Sorry, I lost my place. One time it was with Ann Williamson, a friend back home who she had not seen since her move from Virginia to Ohio in 2013. I asked her what she said to her. Mom said she told Ann that she was so sorry she didn't get to see her before she passed. Ann had died about six weeks prior. The next time, Mom said she was talking with Mary Lou Richardson, who had borrowed her wedding veil back in the day when they moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, and they had lost touch. She said, I wonder if she's still living. I was thinking, probably not. The veil was thinning. My mother died on May 17th, 2022, at the age of 92. She was cremated, returned to her hometown of Danville, Virginia, and buried beside her true love and eternal protector, Fred. Her memorial service was held June 11th, 2022, exactly six months after daddy's. In all my years as a registered nurse, I have never experienced what I did with my parents. I was there when they both took their last breaths, witnessing of the thinning of the veil between this world and the afterlife with both freaky and fascinating. It was oddly comforting. I carry the pig coin in my wallet wherever I go and on all, and all I can hope is that Lily met both mom and daddy and they are finally together again. A true love story that continues just on the other side. Oh, that's Aww. such a sweet story. I am so sorry um, that both of your parents have passed away, Robin. That is very hard to be a part of that entire process. I speak from personal experience. Um, yeah, it does seem like the veil is thinning there. And I'm glad your dad was able to send you something to comfort you from the other side. Is it the kind of um happen a lot people get a coin or something like that i've heard several stories like that yeah there's um that's a really i'm gonna say ancient just uh a port which is an item that suddenly appears before you from the spirit world they're called a ports and uh then you can get coins like the pig coin pennies dimes nickels um and any currency that is from your local part of the world will pop up. And some people have actually made like graphs of how close the person who's sending you the apport is, depending on the money being sent to you. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but it's just ways of telling you that they're around. Another type of apport would be animals, um, seeing doves or crows, things like that. I just say anything that is important to your relationship with the one who's passing away if it's suddenly there in a very obviously wasn't there before fashion like this pig coin that's most likely an import um and in the case with uh some family members when somebody was passing away their favorite animal was a cardinal and suddenly there were cardinals everywhere but it was also fall in ohio and there's cardinals everywhere so I, I'm, I'm not sitting there going, no, that wasn't it. But it, it's just kind of like, that was nature. But I'm not going to tell the person who is experiencing it that they're wrong. They're going to interpret that however they want to, and they're free to do so. But I like this pig coin. That is mm -hmm. amazing. That's pretty specific. Yeah, it's very, very, that's where I feel like it's a very, tr a true apport when it's just boom right there in your path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she said that some hospice hospice nurse, nurses had told her that when people ta start talking to children that that's often a sign that they're going to die in the next week or two i don't know what yeah. that means but I don't, you've probably heard of that sort of phenomenon yeah uh, not necessarily just children just anybody who's passed on um yeah this i've heard that reported by several different nurses both hospice and um i don't want to say standard care like ER nurses and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that is the veil could be thinning. Definitely. Um, mm -hmm. Like or, they see relatives or who could the children be? Like they just start talking to people. It, it could be they just are talking to people. It depends. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of the one time that a lot of people start seeing ghosts as frequently as I do um, to joke about it. That wasn't a great joke. Sorry. Um <laughs> No, it, it's, um, it, it could be whomever's just around and able to pop in and hopefully give comfort. I think mm -hmm. that's largely why it's supposed, like it's happening is to give comfort. 
And I like the idea of Lily Pup coming in to usher both of them across the Rainbow Bridge, basically. Mm -hmm. That's a, I'm a big believer, and I know we've talked about that um, in our oh, with the animal animal episodes, yeah, the animal episodes that your pets will come back and help cross you over, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So um, I would not be surprised if all of our pets were there waiting for us at the pearly gates when we cross mm -hmm. over. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I And I love it. And yeah, I'm sure my dad will be there in his khaki pants too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting a lot of parents visiting. Um, yes. And that kind of segues into the next one, which I think we're going to have Jen read. Yeah. Yeah. And just this a quick, is from B. quick note, I didn't, my mom didn't do any of that. When mm -hmm. she passed. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. It's interesting. I do and have a ghost story that kind of ties into that first. Before oh, yeah. We'd like to hear it. Yeah. I'm, this is just, Cat tells ghost stories every the episode. <laughs> I like, I like Cat tells ghost, like ghost stories. <laughs> so this happened in 2016, Halloween night. So I was with my previous radio show, The Paranormal View. And we were doing a live episode from a house on the battlefield of Antietam. I can't remember the name of the house, but it's the museum for uh, triage that's in Antietam now. It's a medical museum. And we were actually in the barn. And I did see a lot of ghosts and there was a lot of activity, but this particular story connects to uh, Robbins. So at the time, I knew my grandmother was rather ill but didn't think she was near death yet and um we were in the barn which normally uh, people don't get to go into too often especially in the middle of early fall and of course there were docents around and suddenly where there was another psychic and i were seeing uh, Civil War soldiers, of course, in the barn being triaged, and it was just a bunch of young guys. And then suddenly there was a self-illuminating orb outside. And we're like, hey, well, it, it's one of those slatted barns. You can see the moon from it. And we're just like, oh, it's the moon. It's, well, it, it has to be the moon. It's so bright. It was a bright, brilliant white. So we're wait, we're kind of not rushing outside to go see what it is but as we're standing there the the saphir the orb floats into the barn instead of being outside of it and the docents are like i don't see anything but myself and the other psychic and a, another member of our party were able to see it and kind of feel like a change of pressure basically in the room and it disappeared well I come back to take a break, uh, grab some coffee. It was around like 10 p.m. at that time. And there's a message from my uncle that my grandmother had just passed away. So we think that, and when I say we, it's so the other psychic and myself think that it was my grandmother who came to visit at the time of her passing to see, to just kindly finally say goodbye. And she just showed up as a white glowing orb in the middle of a barn. Cause that's where I was. Wow. And cause it's it, the, the, the orb didn't feel like the same kind of energy. It wasn't res, like old energy from the civil war. This felt very different. And uh, it, we think that it was my grandmother. We suspect. So that can happen too. And apparitions showing up at like deathbed apparitions, very common, very well known and talked about ghost, ghost phenomena that happens all across the world and has since humans have been around so all right now on to b's story okay this is from b okay uh many years ago i was a wee little girl living with my great-grandparents downstairs there was this large furnace vent and beside it was my grandmother's rocking chair it was a winter's night near christmas as the tree was up in the front sitting room Anyway, in the middle of the night, I heard the rocker rocking. It was a characteristic squeak. I climbed out of my bed and went to go see if Grandma was up and about. It was my responsibility to get Mom upstairs if Grandma was up. I came through 
the foyer to the sitting room and looked over to Graham's rocker. It was rocking. And there, sitting in it, was my great-great-grandmother. She smiled at me and beckoned me over to sit on her lap. I did. She sang to me in the Shawnee language a song and tune I'd never heard before, but can still remember to this day. The next thing I knew, it was morning and my daddy was waking me up to make breakfast. That is just one of many such encounters I've had with various family members over the years. After my near-fatal accident in 1996, my daddy sat on the end of my bed for the entire time I was in the hospital. He talked to me and I back. When the nurse told mom about it, mom told her to leave me alone and that my daddy was there. The most frequent visitor is my first husband. He appears on the roadside when there's danger ahead. Weird, but true. When I see him, I know to slow down and watch out. Many a time, that reaction has given me a heads up, and I have been able to avoid an accident. We also used to have a gentleman, I believe his spirit was attached to a hutch and table we were given for our wedding. He was silent. He would appear in the kitchen, make as if cooking and carrying a plate to the table. He would sit down, eat, return his dishes to the kitchen, and disappear. This happened every day, same time, until the table and hutch finally retired to the dump. Odd, my mom and my granny also saw him too. My hubby never did, though. Probably good to note that in my culture, such events are considered sacred and are meant to teach you something or to impart wisdom to you from your elders. Wow. Ooh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you, B. You know, I have often felt like I, I have never seen my dad, but I often felt like after he died, he was watching over me. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be cool, though, if I could see him on the side of the road and say, hey, <laughs> it's kind of shocking. Doing. It's yeah. kind of shocking. I think but... that might drive me off the road. Yeah. Unless, unless you're mentally prepared for it, it could be a little shocking. That's true. So, that's true. yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to add my own little story. This is a really quick thing. I'm sorry. I just so B, you've got your former husband that will pop up while you're driving to warn you. I've got one particular 1990s pop song that never really charted that will pop up on radio to warn me when stuff is about to happen. I am oh, not wow. mentioning what song this is, but every single time I hear it, I know to be leery of my surroundings to avoid mm. danger. And uh, so I love how the spirit world chooses different ways to communicate to people, well, but definitely, yeah, you, these are all profound experiences. Take something from them. They're all learning experiences. How did you pick up on it? I ignored it. And the uh -huh. first few times disaster happened. Okay. Wow. So, and this is a particular song that generally does not get played because it was not popular. And it annoyed, like, it has always annoyed me. Mm -hmm. So when I hear it, it pops out even more. Mm -hmm. So, um, That's yeah. Interesting. In, yeah. And that particular band that I know of is not making any new music. So, um, Who do you yeah, think it? yeah. So I, I like it. The spirit will make itself known to you in ways that are recognizable and shocking enough to let you know, to pay attention. And who it's different for every single person. Who sends, who do you think sends it to you? It could be whomever's watching over you. So like your dad could send you messages. Mm -hmm. They could send you a ports, just like the coin from earlier. Mm -hmm. um, people believe guardian angels or guardian spirits will do it. Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who is into Akashic records, it could be your elders that are teaching you from the other side. I do believe in spirit guides. So I kind of chalk it up to them. They tend to know things. They're just ahead of time, not future, not super future. Can't give me the lottery numbers or tell me where the money is buried, but they can <laughs> tell you to avoid turning left and turn right instead type of things. They don't right. want you joining them that quickly. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's an interesting distinction too in these in these appearances because the one with the man fixing dinner mm-hmm. and eating every day that almost feels like a recording. Like we've just di- discussed different types of things. And yeah, that's like a residual. It's almost haunting. like a residual, like a like like a if you imagine a tape recorder or something. Mm-hmm you know, recorded it. And it doesn't seem, that actually kind of seems like a kind of a physics plausibility in a way. Yep. Yeah. It's really interesting when that happens. Um, it, he could have been tied to the hutch and the dining items that were eventually tossed. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's yeah. almost like Star Wars with Princess Leia. It's like, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> it's known. There's a few different. It, it's a residual haunting is what is classically known as. Mm-hmm. And different parapsychologists will attribute it to stone, stone tape theory or other I, ideas of. I like physics. Why are we seeing this man? Uh, I had a when I was in college, there was a ghost living in my apartment that did something similar. She walked through the living room at the exact same time every single night. Mm-hmm. and um why i don't know no hmm? she didn't say anything no yeah like uh anne boleyn going through the tower of london is another famous residual haunting mm-hmm. uh, right before she was uh executed so that could be what it is and uh but so, also it's hmm? uh, no i was just gonna say do you think it has to be tra- tra- a tragic event to cause a ghost to show no. up in her repetitive thing like that no because like a guy getting a a, something to eat and just showing up as an entire scene basically this was something they did it may have brought comfort to them Mm -hmm. like um, hauntings are tragic but a lot of hauntings especially the more common ones are comforting and Mm -hmm. it's not scary to see ghosts it's usually a comforting thing so Mm -hmm. and it's most likely going to be your family members yeah well, it makes me think that there is, like, you know, when you talk about physics and, like, Wi-Fi, for example, hmm. and how it, I almost think it's somewhat analogous. Like, it's not implausible that there's some way to record some sort of action, you know, there's some sort of material that records some sort of action. I think we call them video recorders. Exactly. But what I mean is, is that is that is is apparently something that's might even be common in nature that was not a ghost that was my foot rest again (laughs) Um, i mean even thinking about i mean this is a very inelegant way but with mount vesuvius and all the people caught in the in the ash in pompeii yes i mean maybe there is some way that this that maybe there's something in a way that's similar that catches these residual hauntings yeah and this is this is why I say psychologists or physicists are going to figure this out because mm-hmm. there's a lot more science involved, and we're just my job as an anthropologist is just collecting all these experiences, saying we're seeing patterns in these experiences. Now, what may be causing them? Right. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a two bottle question, as James would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A two bottle topic wonder if we could get a physicist from uc to ever on to talk about that your door's opening and there's a tail wagging this is another wild animal episode i saw an eyeball above your shoulder <laughs> there is a dog actually there are two oh. funny because there was an eyeball suddenly above your shoulder that was yeti that's how tall he is wow he he's he's two and a half feet off the ground that that eyeball um yeah that's great. Hi. all of our yeah. pets are making an appearance today I know, yeah this is the wild animal episode oh, yeah. we had this another is. one of those too when bob was like showing his <laughs> rear end in front of the camera i like how you said your door is opening <laughs> <laughs> well i saw this eyeball and i thought it was really funny so if you're watching on youtube <laughs> you can hear the dog callers and also mm-hmm. there's a bunch of, um, oh no, they're not finches, starlings that are in the mulberry tree above my house. So if you hear a bunch of fluttered birds, that's what they are. Like flustered, not fluttered, fluttered birds. <laughs> yeah, they were chatting before we started recording. Oh, we're recording wow. in the middle of the day, which is a little odd for us. Yeah, yeah it's a little bit different but because of all the travel yeah. this week. We were just yeah. had to kind of move things around. Well, yes. well thank you. 
my unemployment makes me available. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you a job somewhere, Jen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chewy agrees. <laughs> so thank you, B, again for uh, sending us your story. It was fantastic. Send us more. I, I love hearing these stories. It, yeah. It's it's so fascinating how ubiquitous it is, and yet yeah. how many people say what B said that no, like when you talk about this, a lot of times it's very taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a sacred is a good word for it. Yeah. it mm-hmm. It's a really profound um, personal experience when it happens, and not everybody mm-hmm. wants to share them. Right, mm-hmm. and that is fine if it. If you don't want to share it, that's also great. It's because it matters to you in your heart. Right. That's what's mm-hmm. important. Well, but I yeah, appreciate I it so much when people share experiences. Yeah. It's probably a mixture of being afraid of being ridiculed for something that is so important to them. And also there is the the personal aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of feelings that come up when you see uh, relatives like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking... I talk to invisible people in dark rooms. Nothing sounds bananas to me. Please send in your stories. <laughs> so with that, we have another story yes. from Kay. Yes. And uh, she was actually cat sitting at our house. Oh, thank you, Kay. And I remember when this happened, actually, because she actually texted us and said, there were footsteps upstairs in your house. And she was afraid to go to the house after that by herself. And there were, obviously there was no one there. And this is another story where you probably have heard of many of these. Well, actually similar to Misha's story who we had a couple of weeks ago, where they were staying at the uh, Airbnb where there was footsteps. Is that a common occurrence when you hear? Chewy says, yes. Um, sorry about the dog tags. Yeah, footsteps, probably one of the most classic reported, most often reported phenomena that people will note, especially when they're alone, when there are footsteps belonging to no one in the house. And especially with cats just being in the house, they're generally not, especially your cats, are not heavy enough to make that sound. My dogs, on the other hand, if they're walking on a different floor, they sound like people because they're heavy enough to cause that kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Another thing that can cause these sounds, especially when you're in large, old reformatories or the um, asylums, are pigeons. If they're walking on the beams above you, they sound like footsteps walking behind you. It's just the way the acoustics is Mansfield reformatory is infamous for this to the point Mm -hmm. where most of the time, unless you're in the hole, you can't really attribute footsteps to being paranormal because it's probably a pigeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to keep in mind your environment, but uh, footsteps walking up and down stairs, the creaking of stairs is really common. I mean, think about how many traditional old ghost stories from, the 1800s talk about that, like the brown lady, um, the gray lady, Anne Boleyn again. Like that's really common. And um, I think uh, the parents re- reported hearing footsteps going through the Conjuring House in Rhode Island. It's just it, everywhere. I've heard phantom footsteps as well before in my old house in Rhode Island again. I love Rhode Island. It's so haunted, but. Yeah, it's and it's not necessarily scary. It's it's always kind of this paced out purposeful thing. The James Thurber house that James Willis just investigated earlier this month also is another famous case of footsteps. So so I have a story that I can add to that. Not a ghost story, but when I moved into my new place, I have carpet. And so I can't really hear my cats coming up on me anymore. Yeah, but it's little miss clover who likes to run and chase me one time i was walking to go up up the stairs and all i heard were little footsteps right and then i stopped and then they stopped and i turned around nothing was there i'm like okay no that's creepy stop that i love that oh my gosh she loves to do it and it's she's stalking me 
Mm-hmm. But it the first time she did, I got super goosebumpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oop, and there goes the tail. Mm-hmm. Well, cats. I mean, they they like to stalk things, and you're be, you know they're playing a they're playing they're playing a game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a. I mean, I don't know if they could take down a whole human. They think they can. They could take down all your she stuff tries. on your desk. Yeah, they could take down she everything tries. on your desk. That's for sure. Yeah. It would, like just happened um yeah but yeah. <laughs> and then um in a segue uh mm-hmm. Kay also saw something at society state she was going to school there and she saw shadow people oh she says she was i was in a community classroom and computer lab at Cincinnati state i kept seeing movement out of at one of the computer stations out of the corner of my eye my friend who is sensitive nudged me and said you see him don't you I was startled. Yes, I said. There was a shadowy figure slouched in a chair by the computer. It seemed to mean no harm. Oh, she said wow. it seemed very benign, but it, there was definitely a shadow person there, and she and her friend both saw it. Oh, man, I have so many questions. Yeah. One, was it the main campus? Two, yes, was, what time of day? And where in the campus were you? Um, I can get those questions answered, actually. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Cincinnati State's main campus, which is the one I believe in Clifton, used to be a high school. Oh, really? Yes. So I can definitely believe that there is some residual stuff happening around. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it interesting campus to go through because it, it, you have this old high school with the old subway tile and everything. And then they have brand new campus buildings that are shiny and new and everything. So it's kind of a trip going through there. I had no idea that it had that history. Yeah. I forget which high school it was. I'm sure somebody will comment, but. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, somebody will probably give that. But yeah. yes, I will ask exactly where that was. Maybe that's yeah. something we could even pinpoint later. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'd be interested in knowing, but if you're seeing it in the middle of the day, I love or even just like when you know you're going to be awake normally, because that is seeing a shadow person full-bodied next to you. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And especially when you know you're awake and going to be for several more hours. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, do, do you think people often see them and just don't think about it? Because your brain doesn't take in everything. Right. And that could be. Um, I mean, shadow people are commonly seen in dark places or around dusk and dawn so your eyes can be playing things with you Uh, people also see them or encounter them at the end of their beds while they're waking up or falling asleep which Mm -hmm. science has said yeah you're that's your brain doing the hippocampic and hippopompic states which i think we've talked about in an earlier Mm -hmm. episode yeah probably but that's why i love these stories when people say i saw a full-bodied shadow person in the middle of my day because you're not in any of those states. You're active. Mm-hmm. Your brain is going on. And yes, you use 100% of your brain, not just 10%. And it it's working. And that's why I love stories when it's in the middle of the day. Because I remember running when I still did um, Paranormal View and the Urban Legends Detective, which is my previous projects. I did a study asking how many times people saw ghosts during the day versus at night. And it was a 50, 50 draw really? out of like 200 samples, sample wow. responses, which supports my desire for ghost hunts, not to be in the dark anymore. They really shouldn't be in the dark. It's because safer. I will hurt myself one of these days and fall down a flight of steps. And yeah. That would be bad. Yeah. It, it's so much safer. And I've seen shadow people in the middle of the day too. If a place is going to be haunted, it will be haunted at noon, just like it will be haunted at midnight. So, yeah. But uh, let's do a road trip down to Waverly and do a day thing. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Or to Mansfield, do one yeah. of just one of their tours. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we definitely should. There are just as many ghost experiences happening on their tours as their ghost hunts, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. less bats. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, well, on that so, note, I think yeah, that is that is everyone. So that is you. a lot of stuff. That's a lot yes. of stuff. And if you've had an experience like this, let us know what's happened. Yes, Please you do. know we're dying to hear from you. Yeah. yeah, thank you everyone who submitted stories. Um, we're always ready to accept more at our hometown 
hauntedmail at gmail.com account. And also you can write reviews and write comments under YouTube. We, Christina and I will see them and we will just put them in our big archive and read them on a future episode of the Hometown Haunts podcast hosted by myself, Kat Cloco, Christina Wald, and Jen Kohler. So for the three of us, to you, good night and stay spooky. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.